When I was a, a youth pastor, I was working in a church, and one of the things we did for youth group was go ice skating. Have you guys been ice skating for youth group? <coughs> well, one of you has. You guys are definitely missing out because ice skating is one of the most important, in my opinion, most important youth group activities. Uh, and this is because, one, you get to ice skate, which is important, but two, it's really important and useful for flirting. So if you have your eye on anyone, you just kind of skate up next to them and they're like, oh, I can't skate. <laughs> and then you grab onto them and then they're like, I'll help you. And then you just spend the rest of the time skating around. So that's, that's a really fun thing to do. So you should suggest that for future things to do for youth ministry. Now, I went ice skating, uh, ice skating with my youth group once, but I made a, a mistake uh, in terms of the flirting end of things is that I only took, took my boys' small group, and so uh, they didn't have anyone to flirt with, but they still had a good time. I, on the other hand, did not have such a good time because what happened was I was there, I was skating around, everyone was going all right. A few of them had gotten off the ice because they were tired and they had blisters. And then I, as I was skating around, I was one of the, the few people left from my small group, but I'm like going hard. And then I was, got this feeling that something bad was about to happen. It's like, oh no, better get off the ice. So I got off the ice and I went and sat down with some of the boys from my small group and made sure they were okay and you know, how to look at their blisters. And then I was like, yeah, you guys are fine, no worries. And I was like, okay, feeling's gone. I can get back on the ice. Hop back on the ice. I'd gone less than five meters when someone came around really fast and hit me in the shoulder, which kind of spun me around. And then my legs kind of kept going somehow, or I kept, I don't know exactly what happened because it all happened very fast. But what ended up happening is that I landed on the ice on my chin and then bit through my lip and then knocked out my tooth. Not that I knew that at the time. All I knew was like, whoa, and then, and then I was bleeding everywhere and I got off the ice and I went to the first aid man and then he gave me some more ice. And then, uh, and then I, I, I kind of was feeling around inside my mouth and then I was like, oh, there's a lot more lip than normal. I was like, I think I lost my tooth. And he was like, you're not getting that back. The guy in the Zamboni is going to pick it up. And sure enough, there was a man out there on the ice going, oh, look, a tooth, I'll take that. And then uh, anyway, so I went, I had to go to the hospital. And eventually I, uh, I, I got looked at, I got some stitches. And then I, the next day I went to the dentist and they glued in a fake tooth between the other two teeth on either side. And, uh, and then... The great thing was that because I was the youth pastor, it was work. So I got covered by my work cover insurance. So they paid for me to get a new tooth. And when I got the new tooth, they put in this porcelain tooth, like the best of the best teeth. They like drilled up into my skull and then like screwed in this tooth. And then this tooth here, this is a totally fake tooth. And it's amazing. It means that like, I can eat the coldest ice cream and this tooth will not throb at all. I can eat like the hardest apple and I'll like chomp through it. I like have a bionic super tooth, it's great. <laughs> like, like even if every other tooth falls out, this one will survive. If like I get attacked by like terminators from the future, I could chew them to death with this tooth. 
because it is so powerful. Now, some people would say, great, that's, that's a clear illustration of Romans 8, 28. <laughs> and, and the reason is because what Romans 8, 28 says is that God works all things for the good of those who love him. And the way, and you see, oh, look, Tom, you lost your tooth. That's so sad. But didn't God work it for good so that you got a bionic tooth? You have a super tooth. You are a powerful tooth maniac, Tom. You're amazing. And that's what God did for you. Because Romans chapter 8, verse 28 promises us that God works all things for good. That if anything bad ever happens to you, don't worry about it. God's going to turn it for, to good. So like if you have a job and then you get fired, doesn't matter. God will get you a better job. Or if you have like an exam that you fail at, doesn't matter. God will get you into the uni course you want. Doesn't matter. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they break up with you, doesn't matter. God will get you a better one. Like God, <laughs> God turns every bad thing to good. That's how people see this verse. The problem is that that's not really what the verse is saying. That's a bad application of the verse because what we think is that it's all about us and that God is going to do good things for us the way we want him to in the timing that we want him to. But when we look at the passage, we see that it's a little bit different. And there it is. Uh, we see first, if you notice, um, that it tells us exactly how this works. It says, for those who are, no, wrong bit, uh, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now what this is saying is it's telling us what the good is. And the good is not exactly what we would hope it would be, I suspect. What is the good that is promised here? What do you see? It's in verse 29. Sorry? Jesus, Jesus congratulations. <laughs> if that wasn't right, someone could say Bible or Holy Spirit and you would have got it for sure. <laughs> Jesus, it is. It's because for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And that is the good that is promised to us. That when all things work together for the good of those who love God, it's that those who love God will be conformed to the image of His Son, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That God is working all things for our good, and that good is that we might be like Jesus Christ. So when I lost my tooth, God used it somehow, and He's using it to make me more like Jesus. And if I lost a job, God would use it to make me more like Jesus. If you fail an exam, God will use it to make you more like Jesus. If your boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you, God will use it to make you more like Jesus. Whatever happens, good or bad, God uses it to make you more like Jesus. That is the good that is promised to us in this passage, that we would become more like His Son. God is working everything for good. And sometimes people will hear this and they'll say, oh, okay, I understand that. That makes sense. And then they'll hear from a friend and their friend will say something like, oh, you know what? 
my, my mom's dying of cancer. And they say, oh, well, you've got to think about that as good. That's a good thing. Because God's going to use that to make you and your mom more like Jesus. It's good. Which is a dumb thing to say. Like, it's not a, one, it's really insensitive. Like, really insensitive. Like, if someone tells you about something terrible that happens to them, the first thing you do is say, man, that's, that sucks. And then you, you enter into their pain with them. You care about them and not just about giving them some theological platitude just to make them, well, you probably just make yourself feel better that you've told them the good Bible truth. The second thing, it's dumb because it's not actually true. Because the Bible doesn't say that all things are good. It doesn't say that cancer is good or that, you know, being fired is good or that sickness is good. Or even as we, if you take this to its logical conclusion, you would say that, oh, yeah, sin is good, because sin is not good. But just because something can be used for good doesn't make it good. But what we do see is that God can use everything for our good. That everything, good or bad, God can turn it to good. God can redeem it. And that's great news for us, because there are so many times in our life when we look at the things that are happening to us and we say, I don't know how, this, how God could get any good out of this. But God is not confounded by our suffering. And He's not confounded by our sin. He doesn't look at the things we do and say, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Now God is able to take everything and use it to make us more like Jesus. Because we have a God who can take even the worst things and use it for His glory and for our good. You only have to look at what happened with Jesus. That the worst thing to ever happen in the history of the world, that God Himself was killed by the people that He created, that is the worst thing. But you look at that and you see that God has used that to save the world. That God has used that to show His power over sin and death. If God can turn even the worst thing to good, then anything else that happens in our life, God can use it for good. The good that we might become more like Jesus. The second thing to notice uh, is the time frame of this. Like we will think, oh yeah, hopefully this will happen quickly. That God, you know, we look at this and say, okay, a bad thing happens, I better learn my lesson, I better become more like Jesus so I can, the bad thing can stop happening and everything will be fine, let's move on quickly. Uh, when I was a younger man, uh, before I got married, I spent pretty much my entire life single except for like this three and a half week blip where I got a girlfriend, which if you come to church tonight, I will tell you all about, but I'm not going to tell you about it now. I spent a lot of my life going, oh man, I would really like a girlfriend. It'd be great to have a girlfriend. And then I'd hear people say things like, you know, it wasn't until I really realized that Jesus was all I needed. When I learned that, then God gave me a wife. And I was like, all right, better learn that. <laughs> and so I remember being in church once and we were singing and I was like, God, if, if I never get married, that's fine. And then I was like, now who can I marry? <laughs> Who's there? But it took about 10 years between when I said that to God and when I actually learned how to mean that. And I, I got to the point where I was like, all right, it's fine. I don't, I don't have to get married. I learned that Jesus was enough for me, but it took a lot longer than I wanted it to. And so what, 
what we, what we want to have and the time frame that we want is not the time frame that God is working on. God will do things in His time and not in our time. Sometimes we think life can just be like a children's television show where, you know, something bad happens to us and then we learn our lesson and everything's good and it all happens within about half an hour. But that's not how God works. No, look, look at this passage again. Look at how long it takes. It says, those He foreknew... He predestined, and those He predestined, He called, and those He called, He justified, and those He justified, He glorified. Now, when God predestines, or when God foreknows, He foreknows us, He knows us before we existed. That's what that is saying. Before you even existed, God knew who you were, knew who you were going to become, and then, and then He predestined you. If you look at the book of Ephesians, in, ch- in chapter 1, it tells us that before the foundations of the world, God knew that He wanted to save you. That's a long time before we even started thinking about ourselves. But God knew who we were, and God was pre- planning to work all things for the good of those who love Him. And then you see that He foreknows, then He predestines, then He calls, then He justifies, and then He glorifies. Now, it says here, those He... Gl- he justified, he also glorified, which is in past tense. But the Bible tells us that we don't get fully uh, into the glory of Christ. We don't get fully glorified until the end of time. But what Paul is saying here is saying this chain of events of foreknowing predestination, calling, justifying, and glorifying, it's so sure that even though the glorification hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen. It is positively going to happen. And all of this stretches from the beginning of time, from before time began, to the end of time when Jesus comes back and we we get resurrected like Him. That's the chain of events. And in all those things, God is working for our good, for the good of those who love Him. All those things, God is working to make us more like Jesus. That is a long view of things. We want things to happen really quickly. And God is working really slowly, but he's working things perfectly. Now, let me just pause really quickly just to say something really quickly about predestination because I know that it stresses some people out and I don't want to go into all the detail here because that's not what we're talking about today. But the point is, with predestination, we stress about it and we're like, here's this idea that God, he knew us before we existed and then he chose some of us to be saved and he put us on a path so that there is no choice but to be saved. And then he calls us and we have no way not to respond to that call. We respond to his call. And if he calls us, then we get justified by him. All our sins get taken away. And then um, once we get justified, then we get glorified. We're going to be in heaven with God. And there's, there's no kind of point where we get to opt out. That is all God choosing us. And we stress about it because one, we say, oh man, I think this takes away my free will. And we also stress about it because we say, if God chose me to be saved, it also means then he probably didn't choose other people to be saved. And so we stress about those two things, and they're important things to think about, but what is the context that Paul is talking about this in? He's saying, this is good news. This is great news. This is the gift of God, that he would know you before you existed, that he would care about you even before anyone knew that you would be a thing. Even before the world was a thing, he knew about you and he loved you. 
And he has done everything needed to make sure that you will be with him at the end of time. That he foreknew you, he predestined you, he called you, he justified you, and he's glorifying you. It's all there. It's a good gift to you. So when we stress about these things, we want to make sure that we don't forget the big picture. And the big picture is that God loves us. And he's loved us from before the beginning of time and he's going to love us to the very end of time. And don't, don't forget that when you're worrying about predestination and all these other things. When you're worrying about your free will and other people's free will, don't forget that, that this is a good gift of God. And all those other things you can think about and you can discuss them with your discussion group leader because we don't have time and sucked into them. But, but remember that this is God's good gift to you. Now, where were we? Yes, God is working across all eternity for our good. And we might say, you know, why is it? Why is he going to take so long? Why would he take so long? Why would he spend all of eternity making us like Jesus? I wish he would just hurry up. But chances are we actually know that things done slowly are things done better. Generally. Like when we go to McDonald's, the great thing about McDonald's is that it's fast. It's really quick. And you get in there and you say, I want this. And like, oh, here we go. They've slowed down a little bit recently because the food was so bad that it was like, all right, we need it to be a little bit good. Um, but, you know, you know the food's not going to be that great. We love it, but it's not that great. But then you go into a restaurant and you look at the menu and it's got like slow-cooked pulled pork burger. And you're like, oh, yeah. It's like marinated for 24 hours. Like, yeah. And you're like, roasted for two years. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, cheese that was made when Adam and Eve were making cheese. You're like, yeah. Now, maybe that's going a little bit too far. But things done slowly are things done right. Like, we know it with food, generally. We're like, yeah. Those, if it's slow food, you're like, it's good food. Now, God is working really slowly. But he knows what he's doing. And he knows that the best way to make us more like Jesus is to work slowly. My guess is that if we worked quickly, we'd think it was us who did it. we think, oh man, I learned that lesson quick. Good on me. Or if he solved our sin problem straight away, that you know, you're, you have a, you're sinning here and then you've solved the sin here and then you're great for the rest of your life, we think, wow, I'm such a good person. But we keep having problems. We keep having suffering, we keep having sin, and every time it happens, if we have our head screwed on right, we turn back to God and we say, I need you, God. And he takes us through and we see his goodness all the way through. It means that we're relying on him every step of the way, that this is all about God and his glory, and his glory is for our good. I mean, his glory is ultimately about him and not us, but if he is glorified, it's good for us. And we become more like Jesus and He's working in His timing. So we've got to trust Him. The great thing is that God is working for our good to make us like Jesus throughout all time. And so we can trust Him. So what do we, uh, what do, we do with all of this? Well, if you are someone who is a Christian, then my challenge to you is don't give up too soon. Don't give up before the work that God is doing in you is done. Because I've seen lots of people who, 
go like, yeah, I love Jesus. He's great. And then some things happen. Life gets tough. They face hard times. And they think, oh, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if God is, you know, really doing a good thing or not. I reckon there are other places that I can go where life will be easier for me. And they give up. And they miss out on all that God has for them. I was in the city once and uh, I was there with a friend and we walked past the Four Seasons Hotel and there was a big group of people standing around out the front. And we kind of like, oh, this is interesting. So we went and stood out the front a little bit and there was some police there. And we're like, oh, this is interesting. And we stood there and we're like, wonder what's going to happen. Wonder what's going to happen. And then we're like, don't wonder that much. And then we went home. And then we found out later that if we'd stayed, we would have met Lady Gaga. Or we, we would have seen her walk in, hop in her car and then drive away. Which is not that interesting. Like we, it was not that interesting. But if we'd stayed, we would have got that. Now, something else that happened in December uh, 2015, uh, I went to the movies with my wife, which is probably not that interesting, except that it was a very particular movie. Uh, it was uh, Star Wars Episode Seven. And so we dressed up. There's a photo of us. <laughs> and, and we waited in line. And we were, we were there uh, for hours and hours. You never wait in line for a movie for hours. But we did for Star Wars. And we were in the line with a bunch of Leia's and Han Solo's and Darth Vader's and Stormtroopers. It was great. It was a wonderful line to wait in. And as we waited in the line, you know, some people, there were people who turned up like, what's this about? And we're like, oh, it's Star Wars. We're like, oh, yeah, okay. And they hung around. They're like, nah, I can't be bothered. And they left again. But we waited. We waited the whole time. And the waiting was actually just the end of many, many years of waiting. Because we'd been waiting since they announced that they were making Episode 7. And we'd even been waiting since they, you know, made the ones before that, the prequels. And we'd been waiting since before they made the prequels because we didn't like the prequels very much. We were, we'd been waiting for a long time, but eventually we made it. We got into the cinema and we saw the movie we'd been waiting for and it was great. We had a wonderful time. We, we cheered and we clapped and we, we, I got interviewed by Triple M, so I got famous as well. It was, it was great. But if we'd left early, we would have missed out on all of that. And the waiting would have been for nothing. We would have missed out on, on the, the fun that it was. Now, what God promises us is that if we stick around, if we keep holding on to Him, that we get everything that He has for us in Jesus, that we become like His Son, Jesus, that we get welcomed into eternity, that we get glorified with Christ. So stick it out. Don't give up too soon. Don't walk away. You will be tempted. I promise you that. There are people here in this room who will not be a Christian in 10 years' time. Don't let that be you. And you can prove me wrong. I would love to be proved wrong on that. Stick it out. Don't give up too soon because God is working in you. He's working all things for your good and he's taken a long time to do it because that is the best way to do it. The last thing I want to say is this. If you are someone who doesn't love and follow Jesus, if you don't love God, then this promise is not for you. All things work together for, those, for the good of those who love God. 
If you don't love God, all things do not work together for your good. No, there are bad things ahead for you. There is the judgment of God for you. Your life becomes futile because all you have left is hell. Don't let that be your reality. You can have God working all things together for your good and for the good of all of us who love Him. You can be part of that. You can know that you are part of God's family. You can know that you have been saved by His Son. You can know that you have been loved from before the beginning of time to the very end of of this world. That is on offer for you. Don't miss out. This promise of God's can be for you if you will put your trust in Jesus. So why don't you do that? I'm going to pray for us. Father God, we thank you that you love us. You love us from before we existed, from before you even created the world. You knew that you wanted to send your son Jesus to live and die and rise again for us. That we might be set free from our sin, that we might be welcomed into new life with you, that we might be able to spend eternity with you in your creation. I pray, Lord God, that we will be people who know this truth, who pay attention when we are going through suffering and we look to see how you are going to use it for good. We look to see how you are making us like your son, Jesus. And we look forward to seeing how you will get this work done and finish it off when we rise again with him. I pray for my friends here that you will be holding them close to you, that they will not give up too soon that they will hold fast, that they will see your goodness at the end of time. I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you, that you'll be calling them to yourself, that will see the undeniable truth of your Son, and they will put their trust in you. I pray that we will be people who love you and trust you, all of us, until the end of time. Amen.